This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest philosophers to your fingertips. With more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. With me from the Weekly Standard is Fred Barnes doing the podcast live together for the first time. Fred, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm in shock and awe to be in your mere presence. Well, it's historic. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's asking the question, what happened to the great Jeb Bush juggernaut that was supposed to crush all the other candidates simply by opening up a paycheck on one side and putting out the mm. Bush banner on the other? What happened? Well, it might have worked in 2012, but uh, this is the 2016 presidential race, and there are many, many uh, good Republican candidates. So, I mean, the, the, the field is so much stronger than, than uh, it was in 2012. But there's another bigger reason. I think the big problem with uh, the Bush campaign is not that he can't raise money. Of course he can. Uh, not that he doesn't have a great record as governor of Florida. But, you know, he left office eight years ago. And uh, whether he's gone stale or just lost his good instincts or whatever, he has not been a very good candidate. When you see him give speeches, they don't rouse crowds. I thought he gave one in New Hampshire that was very good a few weeks ago, and there were all the other candidates there. And then I went out and talked to people in the audience. It was Republican activists from all over New England, uh, particularly New Hampshire, which is very important. Uh, and yet they were not uh, blown away. They were not thrilled. They were not uh, inspired. Uh, he he uh, The reaction was pretty flat. His speech, uh, they thought, was flat. So uh, Jeb has to hone his uh, campaigning skills a great deal because there's a lot of heavy competition. You know, you see a speech by Marco Rubio and people really get whipped up. You see a speech, I'm afraid, by uh, Jeb Bush and people don't get whipped up. I want to get back to Rubio in just a second. Mm, Back to Bush. It's never a good sign for your campaign when the campaign processes the hirings and firings are on the front page of the Washington Post. Mm. And before you even announce, what did you think of that decision to make significant staff changes a week before his uh, big rollout? Well, you know, it's a little like uh, uh, a sports team. Uh, When you're not doing well, uh, you can't fire the players. You have to fire the manager. In this case, you can't fire the candidate. You have to fire some of the people working for the campaign um, and try to uh, uh, give it a boost and and bring in some new people or at least elevate people to higher positions. And it does show that uh, Jeb is not off to a particularly good start. Uh, it's still early. This is June. Remember in June 2007, who was dead in the water among Republicans? It was John McCain. Right. Uh, the next year, of course, he won the Republican nomination. Uh, I wouldn't say he thrashed everybody else, but he won fairly easily. And so uh, w- what goes on now is not predictive. Uh, but it does show uh, that Jeb is not off to a good start and just raising money uh, isn't enough. But uh, I think the comparisons of 2008-2012 uh, you know, are not particularly helpful because as you pointed out, the yeah. very first thing you said, this is a different field. Sure it is. A lot of great candidates. Yep. So here, sure. let me roll through this. Sure. Why vote for uh, Scott Walker? Well, because he's been through the gauntlet, three elections mm-hmm. in four years, and he actually mm-hmm. got 
conservative reforms done in a purple state. Mm-hmm. Why vote for Marco Rubio? He's an amazingly talented politician. Yep. He speaks. He's a lifetime inside mm-hmm. politics, so he knows the game. Mm-hmm. Even Rand Paul. Well, there's a libertarian wing, and he excites mm-hmm. those guys over there. Sure. Give me why Jeb Bush. Uh, because he's experienced. He had a great uh, record as governor of California. Uh, California. Uh, Florida. You can't tell them apart. Uh, they both yeah. got oranges. That's all you need to know. <laughs> uh, actually, they don't have that many anymore. I think most of the oranges we eat now are imported. But but in any case, uh, uh, Jeb really did have a great record as a reform candidate. Uh, I think he's someone who can beat uh, Hillary Clinton. I'm not sure that Scott Walker can. I think uh, Marco Rubio probably can. Uh, but that's what you want. Look, this election, at least to me, is about one thing uh, uh, for a Republican candidate, and that's electability. And uh, Jeb Bush may be on the left wing of these candidates running for president, but, but that's still very conservative. Uh, and he is a conservative, but he's not campaigning like a conservative, and, and that is one of the uh, problems with his uh, whole drive this year. I mean, it, it's his personal appearances and comments uh, that are not helping him. And to build on that, my mm-hmm. conversations early on have been, uh, well, why do we need Jeb Bush? We've got governors who've gotten mm-hmm. reforms done more recently. Yeah. And people say, okay, okay. I then I say, why do we need Jeb Bush? We've got great politicians who are skilled, like Marco Rubio, mm-hmm. who can really deliver a speech. Mm-hmm. And, and people always say, well, you need him because he's the only one who can beat Hillary Clinton. And why I think that, that this struggling he's mm-hmm. having early on is undermining that. I think people are really mm-hmm. wondering, does he still yeah. have his fastball mm-hmm. for a game against Hillary Clinton? Um, well, I think he could probably beat Hillary Clinton, but uh, his fastball, I, I'd say he's he's lost three or four miles an hour on, <laughs> on his fastball. The early stumbling kind of undermined the fundamental premise, which is the only person who can beat Hillary is the Bush machine. you got to have the Bush well, I, machine. No, no, no. no. Yeah, I know, machine. but who believed that in the first place? Okay. I, I mean, that wasn't true. I never believed that. And I personally thought Jeb would be a better candidate uh, than he's turned out to be so far. I didn't have any doubt that he could raise money or put together a national organization, which helps because that is the Bush machine, the family. Uh, And it's um, among some of the most impressive Republicans around. But the candidates got to deliver on the stump, in speeches, in interviews with the press, uh, in developing a a program and and talking about issues that uh, really stir voters. And so far, Bush hasn't done that. Uh, Your colleague, Bill Kristol, said that he thinks that Clinton in the office or in the race hurts Jeb. It doesn't negate the you know, the, uh, really? the issue of family leash. It raises it to the front. Do you agree or disagree with your good friend, Bill well, Pistol? Well, I would, he is my good friend, and, and uh, I, I, uh, I'll put it this way. It is possible, and maybe Bill has done this, to overthink uh, <laughs> uh, politics. I think politics is very, very simple. And uh, uh, Jeb, uh, I think, would do very well against Hillary Clinton. I don't think she undermines him at all. She doesn't help him, but uh, but Hillary's, uh, Hillary's another story. And the question is whether the candidates other. I think there are two candidates who can beat Hillary. One is Jeb Bush and the other is Marco Rubio. Others I wonder about. Um, well, speaking of Marco Rubio, it's obvious that somebody's worried about it mm-hmm. because of the hit pieces, New York Times, sure. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your take on him? And also, since we're mentioning the other front runners very quickly, mm-hmm. Scott Walker yep. uh, and, and anyone else that you think mm-hmm. you've got your eyes on, how are they doing at this mm-hmm. point? 
Well, they're doing okay. Uh, Scott Walker, uh, uh, I think, has underestimated his need to broaden his knowledge and learn about foreign policy. Uh, he stumbled on that. He once said, oh, I can pick that up just when I'm jogging and I can listen to a, right. a podcast or something along that line. Well, that's not true. You know, you really have to work on it. And, and it shows when you haven't uh, broadened as a governor. Being a governor, you know, can give somebody a big head, particularly when you have been so successful, as Scott Walker has in ways – that really very few people thought were possible in a state like Wisconsin. And he uh, and that's given him this bold and impressive record that is uh, uh, really his calling card. And it's uh, then and there's a lot to be said for it. But you do need to be a, a little broader, and, and maybe he'll get there, but he's not there yet. Um, Rubio? Uh, Rubio is just such a great speaker, and he's really – broadly based as well you know he's uh, he, he needs very good on on domestic issues but particularly on national security and foreign issues he's probably better on that than any other candidate uh with the possible exception of rick perry who really does know a lot uh and and, and can speak about uh, about those issues very fluently in a way he couldn't when he was running right. back in 2012 uh but so it's interesting uh, that you mentioned rubio's broad base mm. i also think that uh there's something about Having a guy who's willing to take on the press, you know, he doesn't just kind of mm-hmm. you know fold over. Mm-hmm. He's not combative like a Newt Gingrich. You know, he's not yeah. slinging you know mm-hmm. haymakers. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something that has surprised me. I never, I never realized that Marco Rubio really knew how to you know parry with the press like that. You didn't think he was a tough guy, huh? Well, I don't know. He's, he, 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 don't he is. Get, he is a tough guy. Here's what here's what impressed me in the first place: Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, uh, who else is a senator who's out there running? They have a pretty good fallback position. This can be a lark for them because if they don't win uh, and become the nominee, they'll be senators again. That's not true with uh, Marco Rubio. He's given up a sure, I think, a certain uh, re-election as senator from Florida to run for president uh, against a very impressive field, and yet he has enough confidence in himself and desire to be president um, that he's uh, given up his Senate seat uh, just on the chance that he can be the Republican nominee and be elected president. Fred Barnes, thanks so much for your time. And Scott Walker, who's listening right now while you jog so you can learn your foreign <laughs> policy, thank you for listening as well. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.